are listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Venerable, all about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello and welcome into the Revenge of the Birds podcast. My name is Blake Murphy here today and uh, we're going to be previewing the Detroit Lions game as well as going over a bit of a tribute to uh, Cardinals legend Larry Wilson. And to do that we brought in a, kind of our local expert on Larry Wilson uh, and all things at least Cardinals history related. Uh, we've got uh, Walter joining our podcast, Mr. Walter Mitchell. Uh, Walter, the Cardinals are off to a 2-0 start. Uh, we'll get into some of at least uh, Larry Wilson, at least with everything and uh, some of your experiences. But first of all, I want to have some of your thoughts at least on the Cardinals against the Niners and the Washington football team. It's been a tremendous start to the season, the first time in at least five years that we've seen this from Arizona. And uh, how are you doing as well? Great, Blake. Um Really excited about the 2-0 and start. Um, what's interesting is uh, Cardinals are 2-0, and and in some ways they're acting like they're 0-2, um, which is refreshing. Uh, they, they don't seem satisfied. Um, they know they've still had a lot of work to do. Um, loved <laughs> when Jordan Phillips was asked this week uh, about the defensive, the pass rush success. He said, hey, it's only two games. Don't crown us yet. And uh, I like that. There's some maturity going on here. I think that there's no question that the trade for DeAndre Hopkins um, really, you know, energized the whole organization. I mean, I think there was excitement to begin with for year two of Cliff and Kyler. But adding someone as dynamic as Hopkins to um, an already uh, talented roster, I think, <clears throat> you know, energized everyone. And we saw it from, you know, only one uh, player opted out, and that was perfectly understandable with Marcus Gilbert. Um, you know, they, they, they really feel like they, they're on to something special. Uh, Hopkins said it, he felt it the minute he walked into the building. And I believe him on that. I think, you know, the players are excited. The coaches are excited. But I think they, you know, they got their feet on the ground and their eyes on the stars, as Teddy Roosevelt would say. I, I, I like their humbleness. And at the same time, I think they're enjoying a little taste of early success. What do you think? Yeah, I think it says a lot about um... – like you said, the talent aspect is different. Uh, it feels night and day from last year when you talk about the players that Steve Kimes signed, uh, not just a trade for DeAndre Hopkins, but uh, we've seen impacts from Devondre Campbell, from Devin, Devon Kennard. We've even seen uh, Jordan Phillips be able to um, uh, land a sack, and I think that that's important that you're able to see Normally, a teams will miss on a guy or two, at least in free agency. Um, but I think that the biggest thing is it all goes back to the leadership that they have right now in Kyler Murray is strong. After the game, there was some confusion on Twitter when he posted 1-0. and <laughs> A lot of fans are like, no, bro, you're 2-0. and And he, his mentality is, no, you're going 1-0 and every single week, and your goal is always to exit that week 1-0. and And I think that's probably about as grounded as you can get versus, you know, a team can be 8-0 and then suddenly let up and, 
uh, I, I was part of a, a football team that I worked for, at least, that was having an undefeated season. And then the week before their bye week, the entire team let up and they got blown out by a divisional rival. And they lost the chance to, you know, make a truly special season happen. Uh, and I don't think that this is going to be the case with that team. Uh, they seem very grounded in that result as well. And uh, what's most exciting, I think, is that this team hasn't scratched the surface of what they can be yet in two ways. Uh, one is that they've played two of the tougher uh, defenses, at least in terms of defensive fronts that they're going to face all season. Uh, they're not going to have the same Niners front the next time they play them due to injuries as well. And secondly, the offense for all the yards and productions put up still hasn't looked as good as it could be. It feels like that they've played uh, decent without playing uh, fantastic on offense. There's still room for improvement. Cliff Kingsbury has said as much, and he's continually pushing his players and I think that that means that there's going to be a couple of special games going on that might be able to see Kyler and the team light it up and get a lot more national attention. They're kind of the national darlings as it is right now, uh, but I think that there is a whole lot more room for uh, the team to be able to, like you said, Walter, it feels like you kind of have the potential for a special season and you hope the team won't let it go to waste. Ahead and we can transition to a little bit of talking about Larry Wilson. Uh, he ended up passing away at least this past week. He's one of the Cardinals members of the Ring of Honor. Uh, was one of the premier safeties in the NFL, if not maybe kind of the guy who uh, originated the way that the safety was used. Uh, Larry Wilson was uh, essentially the guy who they called him almost like the father of the safety blitz, but. He also had, I believe it was like 59 or so interceptions throughout his career. Uh, he was an eight-time Pro Bowler for the team, uh, made the All-Decade team. His number, number eight, uh, has been retired by the team as well. Um, uh, 52 interceptions, actually, it was. And this is a guy who was also an executive. He was serving in the Cardinals front office for a number of years. Uh, he was put into the ring of honor and was a huge part when you're looking at the Cardinals getting a full-fledged NFL stadium. He was one of the first guys that they had there speaking or being put up in the ring of honor. And he talked just about how tremendous it was for him to be a part of that. Walter, I, you've got some experiences, at least as far as with um, – you're growing up and your ability to be able to actually like see Larry Wilson. Talk a bit about his impact on uh, the NFL in general, um, as well as his impact on you as a, a young Cardinals fan. Yeah, my uh, parents are New Yorkers and and uh, grew up in the New York metropolitan area and um, in a long line of New York Giant and Jet fans. Um, and... Uh, you know, I was eight years old. It was November 24th, 1963. Uh, tragically, two days after Kennedy was assassinated, which was really the worst day of my life to that point. Um, and uh, my uncle, Michael, who uh, who has season t tickets to the Giants, invited me to go along to the Cardinals game. Um and uh, I walked in the stadium and it was the first time ever seeing an NFL game live. Of course, uh, to go to Yankee Stadium and see it there was, you know, just like mystical. And as an eight-year-old kid, when you walk down the ramp the first time, it's love at first sight. And the first person who caught my eye, first player, the Cardinals were warming up, the first player who caught my eye, 
I couldn't take my eyes off him was number eight, Larry Wilson, all in white with the white milk white helmet and the, the red cardinal. You know, a D-back wearing number eight. I mean, that was unusual to begin with. And then in warm-ups, Blake, he was all over the field making acrobatic plays. And, you know, I was like, this guy is amazing. And I asked my uncle about it. He goes, yeah, he's a good player. Um, and then the game went on, and I, suddenly I'm, I'm rooting for the Cardinals privately. I didn't want my uncle to know, but um, and the Cardinals were playing a great game, and Larry Wilson is still all over the field making plays. He's just awesome. And uh, about the third or fourth quarter, I whispered to my uncle, would it be all right if I was a Cardinals fan? I was very <laughs> nervous, and he said, no, no, it would be wonderful. You know, we'll make even a tradition out of this. I'll take you to the Cardinals game every year. You know, back then they were NFC East rivals. And, um, oh, my gosh. Uh, there was something about Larry Wilson that was so inspirational. I mean, he once knocked his front teeth out tackling someone. I mean, he was tough as nails. They called him Wildcat for a good reason. I mean, he was a defensive Wildcat. He um, he kind of uh, inaugurated the free safety blitz into the NFL because um, he did it so well. He had great timing. Um, but his his interceptions were epic, particularly the two that he caught with casts on both his hands in a game. Um, you know, and back in those days, those guys would play with broken bones. And, you know, they, they were just, you know, they were just so tough. And I'll just take it a step further. Um, you know, I feel very blessed uh, to have seen some great Cardinal defensive backs. I mean, my my Cardinal Mount Rushmore um, is really a, the perfect guy at the perfect position as far as I I saw all those years was at right corner Roger Worley, who uh, three years later on 1966 on a Monday Night Football game against the the Chicago Bears on Halloween night with a full moon, having just run in from getting two bags of candy. I was treated to watching my favorite team play this great game against the Bears and Gail Sayers, rest in peace, who had a good game that night, took a short pass of the distance out racing uh, Larry Wilson. But, you know, that Roger Worley made a great interception in that game. He was such a great cornerback. Um, Larry Wilson at free safety. Um, of course, A-Dub. I loved A-Dub. A-Dub, strong safety. Um, I'll never forget him crying after the uh, winning the house trophy, speaking of the Bears. Um, and then, of course, Aeneas Williams at left corner. I mean, those are four stellar uh, defensive backs and Hall of Famers that, you know, we just really count my blessings that, had players like that on my favorite team but Larry Wilson was the quintessential Cardinal in my opinion he looked just like the logo you know, the nice uh, Cardinal beat um, and he played with just such passion and and I I always knew and suspected and, you know if you listen to what his wife said about him and he was the nicest guy off the field um, you know would do anything for anyone and and like you said, he inspired, helped inspire the new stadium. I mean, he, he was a Cardinal for life, like our other Larry in the 
we've been blessed on both sides of the ball to have Larry legends and yeah, I'm really going to miss him. Um, and uh, I feel very privileged to, to say that I'm a Cardinal fan because of Larry Wilson. Yeah, that's that's excellent, Walter. Uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to the Cardinals organization and the family of Larry Wilson as well. Uh, I was pleased that Cliff Kingsbury was able to give a game ball to him also. Uh, you have to, in some cases, be able to recognize those who went before you to be able to kind of propel you into the future. I think that's a, a tremendous part of sports and a tremendous part of, uh, of life as well. Uh, let's go ahead and can transition to talking a bit about the upcoming game as well against uh, what seems to be an old foe at this point in the Detroit Lions. Uh, the, the Lions this season so far have been uh, very, very average. Last year it seemed like they were a potential playoff team with a healthy Matthew Stafford. They had a couple of games that went up and down, but uh, currently a lot of what you look at is that their head coach, Matt Patricia, has got nine wins in the past three seasons so far, and the previous coach that they fired him for, uh, and I believe it was Jim Caldwell, had nine wins in his final season. It's just been a, a train right. wreck, and the defense is still no better than it was when the he took over, unfortunately. Uh, the offense is something that does have a lot of weapons that will scare you. And this is something we saw in last year's home opener. Uh, you have Kenny Galladay is expected to be healthy for the game, along with Marvin Jones, uh, TJ Hawkinson. They, I do have Danny Amendola. And they've added in uh, a, a staple of running backs in DeAndre Swift and Adrian Peterson. The, uh, I guess it's a, you could say yep. one-time Cardinal, but it was more like a one, one or two-game Cardinal is how it feels. And they still have a decent, if not great, offensive line. Uh, the, the thing, at least overall, is that if the Cardinals' defense has improved some and the Cardinals' offense at least is leaps and bounds ahead, I think the biggest concern that a lot of Lions fans are going to have is that that defense right now is, uh, I believe, has uh, the last in the NFL in terms of pass rush right now. They've got nothing they've been able to get so far up front from the likes of Deshaun Hand, Trey Flowers. Uh, even on blitzes, they just have not been able to generate much pressure. Uh, Walter, th- this this seems kind of like it's a spot for where the Cardinals could um, – with the higher talent they had last year, and considering especially how they were able to light up in the fourth quarter in overtime uh, with Kyler Murray as a rookie, uh, it just kind of feels like this could be a maybe not a similar outcome to the uh, the Washington game from last week. It almost feels like it should be a similar outcome to the Washington game from last week outside of some desperation play from the Lions and Patricia down 0-2 and with him seeming to be very much on the hot seat right now. Yeah, I, the Lions are, like you said, their offense uh, is concerning. I mean, it starts with Matthew Stafford, the veteran, um, who's had his good moments and against the Cardinals at times, but Cardinals have been able to get to him at times um, in our in recent, you know, hit years of playing them. Um, I mean, I had a conversation with Kyle Sloter, um, the quarterback who was on our practice squad last year, um, and he had a chance to go play for the Lions. The Lions picked him off the Cardinals practice squad, which bummed me out because I'm a Kyle, Kyle Sloter fan. And he said he's never seen a quarterback so sharp in preparation than Matthew Stafford. And 
he said he learned more from Matthew Stafford in like the four weeks, five weeks than anyone he's ever learned. That make me made me sit up and take notes. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't silly, but I didn't realize Stafford was was that keen of a student of the game and that savvy. And Kyle Slaughter um, opened my eyes on that one. Um, but like you enumerated their cachet of weapons. Starting with Adrian Peterson and um, Kerryon Johnson and DeAndre Swift, um, you know, with Galladay coming back, he's a he's a handful um, to go with Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola. I mean, they got a really good guy in the slot there with him, and T.J. Hawkinson. I mean, they have a, a wealth of riches there on offense, and their offensive line has been grading out. Tremendously. Um, Decker's at 76.0. Dahl just came back from the IR and played a great game, 66.6 against the Pactors. Um, Ragnow is at 89.1, highest center in the league. Jackson, the rookie, is at 66.1. And Crosby, Terrell Crosby, is 66.6. So across the board, even though they're 0 2, their offensive line has played well. Um, so they're a handful. Um, and they've been starting off hot in these games. They were up 14-3 on the Packers. They were, they really, I was watching, I just happened to be watching the their first game against the Bears in the second half. And with four minutes left, um, Matt Crater, who's their kicker, who's usually automatic, um, missed a field goal that would have been up 26-13 with four minutes left. And it was just weird that sort of surprised he missed it. And then suddenly Trubisky got a little hot and went down and scored. And then they got an interception from Kyle Fuller. The Bears did. And suddenly they're scoring again and they win the game. Um, And I I thought to that point with four minutes left, you know, they had that game in hand against the Bears. They really did. And, you know, they had a end of the game meltdown meltdown kind of the way they did against the Cardinals, um, you know, uh, in game one last year. And the, their problem is they're not finishing off games. Um, in the second half against the Packers, the Packers outscored them 17, nothing in the third quarter in what was a close game going in. I mean, they, they were up, uh, the bear, the Lions were up 14 to three in the first quarter and down 17, 14 at half. So it was a close game. And the offense was getting things done. But for me, the key, um, they cannot allow Peterson to dominate this football game as he's done the Cardinals when he played for the Redskins and Vikings. And if the Cardinals think they, you know, they're just going to leave Buda Baker to tackle and that's really going to tick me off other games when he's played, it seems like everybody else just lets him run through to the safeties. If that happens, I mean, if our inside linebackers play the way they did against Washington, we're going to get, you know, we're going to be in trouble. Now, I've never seen two linebackers in reverse the way those two did. And I'm really high on Devonta Campbell and coverage, but, uh, uh, you know, he's you know, an inside linebacker, and he was a great tackler last year 
So he's got to put both ends of his game in here. And Jordan Hicks, I don't know what's going on with him, but he just hasn't felt right to me from the beginning, even for any camp when I was watching the drills. He looks slow and sluggish um, feet-wise. And, um, you know, I, even though he had 10 games in the first game, he was out of position a lot, and he's been um, struggling in pass coverage. Um, he just does, cannot match up against tight ends or running backs, which makes me wonder why he's on the field in, in nickel and sub packages, because we have better athletes who can do that. So, um, you know, I, we got to get the linebackers running downhill to the ball and really being key in this game, because you got to stop Peterson. The guy that worries me out of the backfield is Swift because they're going to test our corners on the perimeter with screens and um, and Swift's their guy. He's their third down guy. He's the guy they like to get the ball to quick because um, he's fast. Um, so it, it's it's a challenge. It's going to our defense has got to it's got to play better than they did last week. Um, they've got more difficult matchups across the board. And I'm hoping that our secondary will really rise to the occasion with Peterson on Galladay. I think you'd put um, Kirkpatrick on um, Marvin Jones. And I think you'd put Byron Murphy on Danny Amendola and Devondre Campbell as much as you can on TJ Hawkinson. Um, just one other point that I tried to make today in my um, nitty gritty preview of the game um, is that the Cardinals have a tendency in the blind know that because we see it on tape of sometimes trying to ask our weak inside linebacker and sometimes even our strong inside line our mic to play the run first and then if it's play action to find the tight end and try to cover the tight end and um i just don't understand that as a strategy because it it's just i i mean with a tight end like Hawkinson. If you don't play him straight up, he's going to beat you nine out of ten times. And he did last year. He had a big game against us. And, you know, we've got a – we've been really good against the tight ends in games one and two. Um, certainly helped that, you know, George Kittle um, was at full strength in the second half of the Niners game. But but thanks to De- Devondre Campbell um, – you know, hopefully that's got to continue because I'm, you know, their leading receiver right now is Hawkinson. He has like 118 yards in two games. Um, so we got a key on him as well. Yeah, de- definitely, Walter. It does feel like in a lot of ways, Devondre Campbell has been the defensive MVP through a few weeks because uh, of what you mentioned. He also is second on the team in tackles with 17 behind Buda Baker. Uh, Hicks is right behind him at 16 tackles. I think that, um, like you said, he's not up with the league leaders like he was last year with Hicks. He's still been productive. Uh, it'll just be interesting. I remember there's been a, a play or two, like you said, where Hicks was the guy who was left in coverage, and it's just not his game. He's much more, I think, at this point in his career, a uh, run stuffer who can use his smarts to maybe get into the right position to have an interception, but he's not going to be the same type of, um, of weapon that you're talking about here. And that's part of where the, what you're looking at, at least, and this is part of where a lot of Cardinals fans have tried to figure out or discussed has been how much of the play of the Cardinals defense, um, 
is benefiting from Hassan Reddick being able to play like a veteran and keeping Isaiah Simmons off the field uh, versus Isaiah Simmons, you know, not being able to get on to the field. I, I think that's been kind of where a lot of Cardinals fans, like you said, are hoping to be able to add uh, an athletic freak show like that. And so far, it just hasn't come quite to um, fruition. Do you think that there's at least room as far as in the game plan to work in Simmons? And how would you utilize him? Because I, I feel like the best sp- spot for him right now would be to plug him into Reddick's role of the part-time uh, rushing the passer or slash kind of maybe, you know, spying the quarterbacking, one of those cleanup sack guys where he just watches Stafford's eyes and then when he tries to move or scramble is able to pounce and then the other half being able to be a guy who can, you know, kind of man up a little bit on, um, uh, you know, some of the blocking tight ends. What are some of your thoughts, at least so far, from either what you've right. seen? Uh, I know Simmons right now, I believe, is the lowest graded player on the team per football, pro football focus. Yeah, but he's had limited. He's had 25 snaps in two games. And, you know, the encouraging grade in those 25 snaps, he's one of the best five tacklers on the team. So, um, tackling grade wide, but grade-wise by PFF. Um, Oh, it's obvious to me. I mean, you know, I know that they don't like to take Hicks off the field because he's a captain, but this is actually going to save Hicks. I'm I'm worried that Hicks is going to get injured. I mean, he had that injury bug in Philly. I just don't, I don't think he's in football shape right now. I don't know what's going on with him, but he doesn't, not playing fast. I mean, he's playing on his heels. I mean, a lot of those tackles are six, seven yards down from the line of scrimmage kind of after you've been, you haven't read the play well or stepped up and are, you know, kind of fending off of second level blocks, which by the way, I don't know. Did you see the block that Trent Williams put on him where he was just standing still and just got hammered? I mean, from a distance. Yeah, he was sent flying. Which I remember that from. I remember that being a similar block that Trent Williams did to Dayon Buchanan when they played in right. 2018. And is that kind of the point where it seemed like it was not that it necessarily ended Buchanan's career, but as far as his effectiveness as a player, as far as for where he was at in his uh, player development, it just feel like there was a, a huge difference after that fact. And uh, Williams has been a maybe the best overall tackle in the NFL, so you have to give him a lot of credit for that, Chandler Jones. Uh, for what I remember, had one, I think it was one sack or something like that on Jimmy Garoppolo. And he really got it not necessarily on Williams even in that aspect. It, it was something where you credit the player, but also can take a look at there was a lot of people who were looking at that play. And <laughs> for Cardinals fan, you're just kind of like, is that what you want to see from the guy who, you know, led the team in tackles last well, year? And that, I mean, it takes a while for a left tackle to get to the Mike linebacker. And you know, that's what was so surprising about the play is that, that, you know, at that point in the play, I mean, it's already obvious it's a running play. I mean, there's no way that Hicks should be standing in cement having not moved an inch either forward or backwards. Um, he's just like standing statuesquely there. Um, and it's just mind boggling. Like where, what are you thinking? Um, but, you know, so, but, however, you know, Hicks has to get back to his style last year, which is really helpful. He was very solid stepping up and running downhill to the ball. That's what we need. 
So he can focus on that in base. And then you take Simmons, who's clearly an upgrade in coverage. Um, and really the perfect, you know, Nick linebacker athletic-wise, because he can do it all. He can cover. Um, he's fantastic in zones. And he can spy and he can rush. Um, you know, you can send him on a blitz. So, you know, that, that gets him on the field. It keeps Hicks fresh. And, um, you know, in those nickel situations, Buddha can call the plays. I mean, he knows them. Um, you don't have to train a rookie to do it. Um, although Sims is smart enough, he could figure it out pretty quickly, I'm sure. I bet he could probably figure it out now. Um, but that's an obvious role for me. I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't touch what they're doing with Kennard and Reddick. They've got to see that's a tandem there that they're using properly. Now let's use a Hicks Simmons. And I think you've got something, you know, special there too. Campbell. I don't think you take off the field right now. He's just like you said, I think you could argue that he's a team MVP just because, you know, we're winning games now because we're covering tight ends novel idea but um you know and and i don't know if you saw this like but i saw them run the the washington football team run a wheel route to antonio gibson who by the way the rookie by the way ran a 439 combine the kid's a blazer and i don't know if you saw this up the sideline i mean they threw the ball to him um, Devondre Campbell at his size was tried with Gibson. I mean, he had blanket coverage up that sideline, you know, on a wheel route. I mean, that was an amazing play, um, from a, from a linebacker that size and against a, against a player that fast. So, I mean, we've got something special there. I, I hope that they re-sign Campbell. Uh, I think he's an excellent fit for what we need to do and, and, you know, and we could find a niche for Simmons for sure. in a variety of different ways, but I think for right now being nickel linebacker makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Right now it's just something where, like we've said, if uh, Campbell keeps up this level of play, um, you only hope that he doesn't price himself out of your market in that aspect, because, Um, but th- that's a case where they did sign him to one year prove it deal. He's expecting to get paid a large deal at the end. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that will work, especially considering with how the pandemic has been able to alter uh, everything that we've kind of have wanted to see or expected at least with all of that. So I'll be very, very interesting to see um, what will go on with that. Uh, currently, I believe right now the Cardinals are third in the NFL. I believe they're tied. They have seven sacks on the year. I think the biggest difference between this year and last year in a lot of ways, um, to me, I believe that starts with the coverage downfield. Uh, The impact that we've at least been able to see so far with um, Peterson and Murphy being able to play uh, overall well. Now, clearly, that comes with the caveat of um, you did have kind of a game where there was some plays that Kurt Peterson and Kirkpatrick led up to Terry McLaurin, who's uh, just a tremendous player so far. He's kind of outpaced in his first uh, games that he's had as a starter. He's kind of at a higher, faster pace than uh, Fitzgerald and Hopkins right now, which is kind of crazy to think about. Uh, So he's just a phenomenal player who's right now been able to kind of go off against anyone. 
Um, but it does at least say that the uh, coverage, at least for this year, seems to be better. You also haven't really played any wide receivers of note so far this year. There was, like, I think the only play, that, if I can remember correctly, that uh, Steven Sims, the number two receiver for Washington, even got was a, a, a what I call kind of a, a lousy pass interference call that I didn't feel like was really there. With, there was contact on both ends. The referees flew the flag on Murphy. I think that that step forward has been a big part of it. We'll see how that holds up against the likes of this Lions trio. To me, that better coverage has allowed the Cardinals to be able to get a lot more pressure on quarterbacks by you know, not having guys open. Last year, you would just simply see um, opposing defenses. The Cardinals wouldn't be able to um, teams would just double team Chandler Jones if they needed to. The coverage downfield wouldn't hold, so teams would just be able to get rid of the ball quickly. The pass rush wouldn't have time. This year, the coverage is better. Teams are having to hold on to the ball a bit longer. Uh, that's allowed the likes of a better pass rusher in a Jordan Phillips or a Devon Kennard uh, to be able to get pressure on the opposing quarterback without having to have blitzed as much because that was one thing that we saw last year was uh, the Cardinals got several sacks with Buda Baker, but like we've seen, the position, at least overall, has been very, very different. The only thing I think a lot of Cardinals fans are a bit surprised by is I think that Chandler Jones really just doesn't seem to have made as much of an impact right now while the other players around him have. I think you'll still take at least overall being third in sacks in the league and knowing that Chandler will eventually get his, though, if you're going to be able to account for the, the type of defensive play that has, you know, the Niners starting one of eight on third down and Washington starting uh, 0 for five on third down to begin their games. So far, maybe they've played some weak offenses, but the Cardinals right now are leading the league in third down efficiency. I think a lot of that is due to being able to, you know, maybe not sell out to stop some of the run, but the fact that they're able to have that type of coverage downfield, I, I think that speaks a lot to what Vance Joseph has been able to do to turn around because last year, you know, the likes of Kyle Allen were driving down the field at will. Right. Yeah. The, uh, you know, I'm really happy to see the third down conversion flip. Um, really amazing. Uh, but I think that Vance Joseph and the players know their forte is, man, they're not a zone team. Um, and, you know, I think they pretty much like their matchups in the first two weeks. We'll be interested to see how they handle the Lions for top receivers. Hawkinson. Um, I'm sure they're going to handle on Hawkinson. Uh, Pat he has a big assignment. So, I mean, Halliday has actually had success against um, already. So, um, you know, and he's now they bring problems because he's he's got length, he's got good speed, he's a good 50 50 ball guy, actually, better, way better than average 50 50 ball guy. The only thing is, he's coming off injury, and so, you know, hope he's you know, kind of he's in his way back because it's full strength, he's he's tough to handle. I've always liked Marvin Jones. I always felt like, you know, he he's an excellent number two wide receiver. He, too, has some length to him. And, you know, he's got to give him a little bit of a cushion because he can, he can slip deep. Um, I'd love to see the Cardinals play better leverage to the inside. They're giving up 
too much in my crossing routes. Um, Byron Murphy, especially as a slot corner, um, can leverage inside a little better. Um, he's chasing really well. I have to give him credit. And he's doing fine. I, I think he can Amendola. Um, Amendola's, you know, um, you know, shifty, but I think Murphy would be up for that task. I think he's got to try to get physical with Amendola a little bit um, um, in the five-yard range. Uh, but the pass rush, it's been interesting because I think, you know, it seems like they're not as much as they normally have, and their pass rush is getting there. Um, and in Stafford, you know, he's not very low, so you know, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. But probably the the biggest the biggest concerns that I have is you know, see this Adrian Peterson highlight reel. Um, we'll see how physical the Cardinals want to get up front this week because they're going to need to a stop that and then you've got to get constant pressure on on Stafford one way or the other and the you know the, the Lions offensive line have one of the right per PF pass locking grades the fact it's 75.8 Cardinals is 65.0 25.8 on the season in two games. That's pretty dang good. Um, so, and the Cardinals will be interested to see if they can get that number down with a good game against, uh, you know, and try. If, if we've shown anything in the past, when we can get to Stafford, when we get to Stafford and get in his face a little, you know, he sent, sometimes throws it up for grabs as he did late in the game last year when, um, Cardinals had an interception drop out of their hands. Uh, so uh, that's a key. Yeah, for me, with the Cardinals as an aggressive defense, we saw this last year with Vance Joseph and then a bit this year. Um, some of where I think that they're missing a bit is the screen game against running backs. To me, with that and De- uh, DeAndre Swift, that would be probably one of the concerns I would have would be, yes. you know, the Cardinals bring in some blitzes. They just check it down to a talented player like him who's able to make guys miss. That's one of the areas that we did see with Hassan Reddick uh, got burned, I believe, both uh, weeks last uh uh, in the last two weeks at least, because um, that was a spot that we saw with Gibson as well. Uh, I, I agree with you, especially on the slant routes. That's something that I also did note. There was like, I think it was two plays back-to-back uh, in the Washington game where Kirkpatrick was matched up on um, uh, it was Terry McLaurin, and it was like two slant plays back-to-back. Yeah. And then the third yeah. slant play was almost a pick play where Patrick Peterson – um, when he was taking off, almost was going to run into his own guy. That looked like, and that was kind of where he was. At a lot of people said it looked like he kind of let up on the play. And you know, you can. I was saying, I wish he would have, you know, dove for that one or done something a little bit more. Maybe he was afraid of hitting his own guy. And some of it was recognizing, you know, when when you get beat, <laughs> you sometimes just get beat at least for that one. And uh, there's not really a shame in terms of that with McLaurin for this week, though. It will be interesting with Galladay as. Peterson seems to always excel when he plays against these bigger, more physical wide receivers. I think that's going to be something where this will be a good test to see if he's going to have the mentality 
Um, at 30 years of age, if it's going to be that contract, the motivation, and if his physical body is able to hold up, or if Galladay goes off for a big day, I think that's going to have a lot uh, to process for the Cardinals going into uh, a 2021 season where their two starting corners will not be uh, under contract. Um, let's talk a bit about the Kyler Murray impact. Uh, there's, uh, like we said, with the uh, there's two quotes that stand out here. Kind of, I'll wrap up on the defense before moving on, uh, or I think I should say on the Lions' defense. That kind of seemed to sum it up for me. And it's going to be how are the Lions going to be able to stop Kyler Murray with the team that's not able to get pressure on him? We saw last year that Matt Patricia at times was so worried about Kyler Murray's rushing ability that they played a double spy at times, where they literally would have you know a one linebacker and either a second linebacker or a safety would be spying in multiple angles where if he was able to get free, you had uh, two guys in the back end. And that left, uh, as we saw in the Cardinals opener, one-on-one coverage uh, for Larry Fitzgerald down the field. That was a huge thing, at least, that the Cardinals did. They weren't running Kyler Murray nearly as often, too. They only ran him, if I remember correctly, um, one time in the game. But it was on a critical third, and I think it was a third and five or third and seven. Um, where he took off they've been running him a lot more they've been doing a lot more scrambles this year as well as design runs um what uh, patricia even said was he said you know he talked about how they weren't doing very well in the pass rusher talked about uh, you know trying to manufacture some of the pass rush i think part of that walter is because their secondary uh, they gave away their best overall coverage player at least in a trade they replaced him with Jeff Okuda, who was baptized going up against the likes of uh, the poor guy has to go against Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson the first two weeks. This week he gets uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Good luck. Welcome to the NFL, Rook. Uh, what he talked about, though, with Patricia was he said this week with Kyler Murray, you get up, if you get upfield, look, there's great examples on tape with the Niners. They get players that get off the ball, but as soon as they get out of their lane, he's gone, and it's 25 years later. So he talks about how you need to be disciplined in certain situations. Um, I, to me, you look at that, I think what it means is that Patricia, it sounds like he's going to be playing a double spy look again in terms of trying to play contained, trying to keep Murray confined to the pocket. But without having those coverage guys, I could see this being a huge passing game for Kyler Murray, especially against that secondary. And when you talk to Cliff Kingsbury, they right. said, hey, Cliff, they've got a new defensive coordinator. What have you noticed about the differences from last year? And Cliff just kind of like paused and looked at the interviewer. Uh, this is from the Pride of Detroit Twitter right. account. And he said, looks pretty much the same to me. Nothing's changed. Yeah. <laughs> that just says a lot, yeah. unfortunately, about Patricia, where this is still kind of his defense or his guy. He's running the same things. I, I feel like that this is an area where we've seen so far Kyler run for a lot of stats. He's he's passed for a, a huge number of yards. He's got currently more passing yards uh, than Patrick Mahomes of the Chief. I feel like this could be kind of a passing game explosion, especially if they're just going to look at the game and say, oh, you want to stop Kyler's legs on the ground? Sounds good. We've got the likes of DeAndre Hopkins. We'll be able to link up deep with uh, Christian Kirk, uh, who was able to beat a man last week deep with the likes of an Andy Isabella. And the thing I think that's a positive is if the Lions decide, hey, we're going to play contain up front, we're going to keep 
two safeties deep where you're not going to take these deep shots, you're going to then get intermediate coverage to the likes of Dan Arnold and DeAndre Hopkins or even a Larry Fitzgerald out of the slot. And I think to me that's where maybe this won't be a huge like deep passing explosion with some of those big chunk plays, but I think you're going to still see some gaudy passing numbers potentially in this one just because you're not going to have a rush. Kyler's going to be able to take what the defense gives you, and they don't have a guy who can cover uh, DeAndre Hopkins and their linebackers, I think, certainly aren't going to be able to cover Dan Arnold. We'll, we'll see if Kyler can hit Arnold up the seam for some of the seam routes. He's been, uh, at times, the one struggle I think that people said is like the only thing to nitpick is he's got such an arm, he'll sometimes overthrow those seam routes on power versus use a little bit of touch. And we've seen that touch before in the, in the seam routes, but... Uh, I, what do you think at least about how the Cardinals offense will match up? Because it's it's really hard for me to see the Lions being able to stop or contain because I think Arizona just, they've got too many weapons now in the one area where they could have, I think, been able to get away with uh, for last year, which was, you know, Larry Fitzgerald was your best offensive weapon. Not, now you have to figure out how you're going to cover DeAndre Hopkins. And I think it's going to be too much for Detroit to handle. Yeah. The guys on the Lions defense to, to key on or Trey Flowers, I would chip him. Um, he's got one of their two sacks on the season. But I, you know, I'm from Massachusetts. I saw Flowers on the Patriots. He's he's legit. All right. So, and he was probably their prize free agent this year. Um, but I would I would get the chip on him. On the other side, they have Deshaun Hand and Jamie Collins and Romeo Arquara. Um, I don't. I think Beecham can handle those, or if they're over with DJ, I think one-on-one we can handle those. So, but I think the running backs are going to have a big game for Cardinals. Um, Nick Williams is dinged up. He's, he's one of their best run stuffers. Um, I, I would test the inside of that defense. I mean, I kind of fascinated with Jared Davis as a middle linebacker. I'm not convinced He's a Mike. I I think he's a really good athlete, but if we can get to the second level and block him. I think we can have, run between the tackles. Um, but I I see our running backs having big games in the passing game um, because of what you just laid out, um, Kyler. It's the Kyler factor, and it's the to be or not to be for de- defensive coordinators against Kyler is the one way to feel better about worrying about Kyler's running ability is to play zone. Now you have know where guys are going to be and you know, you have help, but when you play man, like the Cardinals plays, the design running plays were really smart. I mean, they knew that it was man coverage and they knew where, where the pockets would be open in the field. I mean, against zone, you're not sure of that because you, you know, but um, in man, you can be pretty sure you can clear out a whole side of the field in man. You can have all your receivers run to one side and, you know, um, and all Murray would have to do is beat the D end and a spy, um, which he's certainly capable of doing, but it creates quite a conundrum. And like you said, was I was interested in what you said about a cover two, you know, having twin safeties in the back, the way the 49ers did and at times the way Washington did that, you know, usually teams would want to use one free safety and pull the other safety down as a spy or, or, um, you know, you've got to, you know, you can't put 
um, a linebacker on Murray. You know, you need a D-back um, or someone with some speed and who can, like, you know, um, not get deked out of his sneakers, um, out of his cleats. Uh, so I agree with you. I think that the plan for them would be to try to keep relegate Murray to the pocket, play contain, contained rush on the outsides, um, and try to get some pressure on him up the middle. I imagine they're going to run some blitzes at him up that middle. Although we saw last week, that's at your own risk because then if Kyler finds a crease, now the middle's wide up. I mean, he can be galloping through the middle. Um, it's a real conundrum for anyone who's going to play against him and play in man defense. But the guy, the game changer for the Cardinals, I mean, the Lions didn't have to worry about this last year, is DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, first of all, I mean, you said a coup to guarding him. I don't think they'd want that. But with um, Desmond Trufant on the, you know, not didn't practice yesterday. He's injured. I don't know if he'll be back for the game. He's their number one corner. Um, if he's playing the game, he'll play on Hopkins. I would imagine they'd have, he's their best corner. And then they have to right shade and shade Hopkins with the safety of that side. But now coming off a game where the Lions just saw, like you said, like you you mentioned. With you know Andy Isabella and Christian Kirk catching a few deep passes to that other side, now it's like, oh, shouldn't we put a safety over the top over there too? And we can't just shade over to Hopkins' side. So all that is kind of the chess game and cat and mouse that uh, you know Kingsbury plays with defensive coordinators and figuring out who's putting, you know, where are they lining up. And where can we expect to, you know, which parts of the field can we expect to exploit? I don't know. I think Hopkins could go off in this game. I mean, their secondary uh, is really having troubles um, hanging with, with uh, the, you know, they had troubles with the Bears and they had troubles with the Packers. Um, and I think that, you know, it could be a big passing game for Murray. Um I'm not sure he's going to have to run as much this game, but we'll see. I'm sure they'll have a few plays dialed up, but uh, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting call for to see how the Lions try to defend this. I have to say they've got some pretty decent players, solid players. I mean, Deron Harmon is a good safety. He's playing strong, but he's more of a um, cover two safety, which fits your description of what you think they're going to do on the kill play on the back end, not, not up. And, um, you know, it was interesting that they gave up on some really good players like Slay and Kennard and, um, you know, uh, who was the free safety guy? I love their free safety last year. They traded away. Um, oh, I'm, yes. Quandre yes. Diggs, I believe call. to Seattle, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. I mean, yeah. Yeah, they uh, they love Jamie Collins, and that's part of why they let him go. And Collins is one of the like greatest athletic freaks we've seen. Patricia knew him from Detroit, uh, but it is one of those different spots. And like you said, the 
The thing that I love, at least, is Cliff Kingsbury isn't a coach who gets locked into a certain type of scheme or game plan. We saw that again with the um, the Niners game. Essentially, when the San Fran was playing this cover three, uh, very similar to how the Seahawks would play their defense, where it's a cover three deep zone. They play have talent that's usually better than your talent. Um, have Richard Sherman then playing physical on one side and have a ferocious pass rush. What Kingsbury just did was, oh, you're going to leave Sherman on one side and not have him shadow DeAndre Hopkins and your number two corner is Emmanuel Mosley. All right, there you go. There's 14, I think it was 16 targets for 14 catches for 150 plus yards at least. And it was just a spot where the Niners had absolutely zero answer for Hopkins. And that was really where Kingsbury just adjusted, took what, the other team was willing to give him, and I think that's something that we'll see again in this game, uh, especially considering the fact that if the uh, – I will say this, and we'll get into game predictions here before we wrap it up. Uh, unlike last week's game against Washington, this is probably a game that the Cardinals could lose. Last week, I didn't feel like that there was any type of threat. Even uh, You would have to probably have some sort of five turnover, like you know, eight sack type of game from Washington's defensive line. That hasn't been the case with how Arizona has looked and how Murray's been able to um, kind of has known his, uh, his limits as far as for where he can scramble this year and when he can take off. He's become much, much more aware of that. You get to kind of see why Cliff Kingsbury wanted him so badly for all of these years is because when you can play a truly 11-on-11 football versus 11-on-10 with a quarterback there, it forces the defense into mismatches that they don't like. What I do think at least here that we'll, that we can see is that because there's a veteran quarterback on the other side in Matthew Stafford that they have weapons, um, you do as Arizona want to come out to be able to protect the ball, not get yourself in a hole where you're having to pass all the time. I think that you'd love to see a heavy-powered rushing attack. This still feels like it should be a game that the Cardinals should win, especially considering that the Lions' defense just does not have the talent required, and the Cardinals' defense has improved to the point where I don't think that they're going to be giving up, you know, 31 points to the Lions. And maybe it turns into that type of a shootout game. But I have the Cardinals not quite hitting the 40-burger this week. I've got them winning, though, 37-21. to 21. I think that it's going to be a Cardinals offense, I think, is going to come out against a bad pass rush and just be able to take advantage of the different mismatches. And I think that they'll be able to... I don't know if it's going to be more of the, you know, open up big like they did against Washington or if it's going to be more of in late game that they'll end up going up. But that's what I have as far as my score prediction. I do think that they walk away with the win here. Uh, the thing I'll be curious about, Walter, is if this does turn into some sort of a blowout and the Cardinals defense is for real against Matthew Stafford. Do we see the Matt Patricia's hot seat turn into what might we saw from Mike McCarthy a few years ago where he ends up becoming one of the first coaches let go? I, I don't see that happening at this point since they poured yeah. so much into him. But uh, what are your some of your thoughts and what would be your prediction yeah, for the I, game? Uh, really, yeah, I get nervous for every game. I mean, we're Cardinal fans, right? We've seen it all. <laughs> Games when we think, you know, maybe we got a good shot and then they come out and flat as nails. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I still trying to get a handle on, you know, I think we'll see it, it, We've heard all training camp that Pat P has the eye of the tiger. I don't know if you've seen that yet, Blake. I haven't. And um, he's got a 44, you know, what's he got? Um, it's just curious that, you know, the Cardinals defense is improved 
and yet three of its four captains have subpar grades and some of the worst grades on defense from PFF. Um, yeah, so uh, Peterson, 46.1. Kirkpatrick, 44.2 after two games. Chandler Jones, 51.6. They have his run block uh, blocking grades way low, um, which actually is true. He's not has not defended the run. The whole front seven has not defended the run well. And I'll tell you what, if, um, you know, they got a horse in Adrian Peterson. I, even though he's, he's, you know, long in the tooth now, I mean, he, he could have a dominant game if we don't step up. And that's a huge if to me. Um, and if Pat P doesn't have the eye of the tiger against Galladay, you can always tell when Pat P has it and you can always tell when he doesn't. I mean, that's a huge matchup for us. Um, I mean, otherwise I think we have to spend the game sort of shading Galladay because he, he, you know, not try to give up the deep pass to him and help Pat P be more aggressive on him underneath. Um, but that, then you got Hawkinson on the other side, you got to take care of him. So, you know, I, I look at this game and I, I don't think it's necessarily a trap game because of last year's game and the frustration I think everyone felt about that game and how, you know, it was really a poor showing for three quarters and then, you know, ended in a tie when, you know, and, and Cardinals had their chances in overtime and nobody knew how to handle a tie. Um, so I think that'll command their attention. And I'm going to, you know, go out on a limb and say that the 750 family spectators, including um, Sabrina Greenlee, who is a trivia fan, trivia question, Cardinal fans, who is Sabrina Greenlee? Well, she's DeAndre Hopkins' mom, and the tradition of handing her the football when he scores might be in effect this Sunday if she's there. Um and positioned in the proper end zone where if uh, DeAndre catches a touchdown. So I think they're going to make an impact too, um, you know, that's going to create a little bit more juice and energy for the Cardinals. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I think right now I, it's too much of a toss up for me to be able to predict. And I'm not great at predicting games anyway. I don't like to do it because, you know, it's like lose, lose, <laughs> you know, that's why I never bet on the Cardinals ever. I mean, you know, I'd always bet on in the win because I can't root against my heart, but then if they lose, it's double whammy. You lose the bet and the game. So, but I, I, I really try to stay away from predictions, but I, I have, I think this game could go either way. I really do. Um, the Cardinals have to approach it that way. And I like the maturity. So I think that, you know, I think that they will come ready to play, and I think that they'll have a sound plan. But um, it's going to be physical, and they have to be ready to relish that. And, um, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball and in reckoning with that their offensive line. It's the, the, what happens up front of this game will have, a, a, you know, huge significance yeah absolutely uh, for those who aren't aware at least uh do do yourself a favor and google the story 
uh, the ESPN cover story from Mina Kimes last year, uh, Gilbert uh, native Mina Kimes actually, on DeAndre Hopkins and his mother. It's just an absolutely inspirational story. I, I can agree, Walter. Hopefully that will be an aspect. Um, my hope is that the leadership of a guy like um, – best way to put it is I would be betting on a guy like a Kyler Murray against a uh, a bad Lions defense versus betting on Matthew Stafford um, in what seems like it could be the twilight years of this weird Patricia era against a uh, improved Cardinals defense. I think that even if there are going to be struggles, so far from what we've seen from the kid is that he's got that mentality to be able to kind of lift the team up and over. And uh, I think that's, uh, you already had, you know, a fourth quarter comeback <laughs> against uh, the, one of the toughest defenses he's going to face right. all year long. Um, and I think that's something at least that's going to hopefully carry over into the future for many years to come. Uh, thank you again, guys, so much for tuning in. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have Walter on. Uh, to be able to talk Cardinals. Uh, John wasn't able to be here today. There's been a lot that's gone on. As some of you know, there's just been a lot of craziness that was here. And uh, we wanted to, uh, we talked about it last week. As soon as we heard the news of Larry Wilson, Walter was indeed like the first person that came to mind for us to reach out to. So we did want to have him onto the podcast. Um, and uh, want to make sure that if you guys uh, have not been following his work on Revenge of the Birds or on Twitter, that you'd be able to go ahead and do so. Uh, just been tremendous content he's putting out each week. Uh, Walter, if you want to go ahead and give yourself a bit of a plug for your latest work or your Twitter account here, uh, I think everyone listening would be able to appreciate that. Thanks, Blake. Uh, at WBJ Mitch is my Twitter feed, at WBJ Mitch. Would love to uh, follow you on uh, on Twitter and, um, and grow my uh, <clears throat> followers on there. Uh, it's been fun. I've actually you know have had a response from deandre hopkins <laughs> true true <laughs> so i'm i'm on a roll <laughs> so i am on a roll so you get on there too we'll really get after these red birds um you know these bird gangers um and do it together that's the fun of this is you know being a part of the red sea and being a part of um rotv uh revenge of the birds um is 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 just a joy and kudos to everyone involved and all of our members and um you know let's we might be in for quite a ride here let's savor every moment of it absolutely yeah thank you guys again so much for tuning in as always uh to the revenge of the birds podcast again we're available if you haven't listened uh or if you want to listen to us on revengeofthebirds.com we're available on places such as spotify apple podcasts google podcasts uh, other places such as stitcher TuneIn radio as well uh, thanks again for tuning in we'll be back next week on the other side of the detroit lions game it's the second game of the season can the cardinals start three and oh we'll find out thanks again this has been the revenge of the birds podcast we'll see you guys on the other side